Good morning, everybody. It's Wednesday morning here at Christ Life Ministries in Pretoria. It's Wednesday there where you are also. <laughs> so, I hope you have an awesome day. Is ons aan die gang? Jullie denk wel niet speel nie. Like so. Okay. Alright. It's my phone. Okay, we, we're going to start today at Matthew chapter 11. Oh, here the app at Okay, be greeted everyone. I can't see you today. <laughs> All right, so. <laughs> All right, Matthew chapter 11. I'm going to start reading in verse 27. It's just something that I ministered on when we were in Katu in the Northern Cape. And uh, I think it's just really awesome. So I wanted to share it with you also. So in Matthew chapter 11, verse 27, Jesus says, All things have been entrusted and delivered to me by my Father. And no one fully knows and accurately understands the Son except the Father. No one fully knows and accurately understands the Father except the Son. And anyone to whom the Son deliberately wills to make him known. Okay, so Jesus now describes what he came to do. The Father reveals the Son, and the Son reveals the Father. John 1, 18, Jesus says, I came to declare this is the Father. Okay, he, uh, no one has ever seen the Father, but the Son has declared him or made him known. All right? So Jesus, his one aim was to make the unseen Father visible, to show him, to speak his words, and to demonstrate his actions. He only did what he saw the Father do. He only said what he heard the Father saying. So he was the visible representation of the unseen Father. He was the express image of God. He was the outraying or the radiance of the divine. Okay, so, so that's Jesus. If you see Jesus, you see the Father. John 14. Okay, you get the picture. All right, so now he says... Now he speaks to us. So he says, first, all things have been entrusted to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father. No one fully knows and understands the Father except the Son. And anyone to whom the Son deliberately wills to make him known. So there's a relationship described, fully known. Father fully knows the Son. Son fully knows the Father. Okay? And then he says, and the Son makes him known. He deliberately wills to make him known. And then he says in verse 28, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden and overburdened, and I will cause you to rest. I will ease and relieve and refresh your souls. All right, so he's here to show the Father. Okay, he says, Come to me, come to the Father. I will ease, relieve, refresh your souls. Take my yoke upon you. And learn, learn of me. I am gentle, meek, and humble, lowly in heart. And you will find rest, refreshment, and recreation, blessed, quiet, for your souls. For my yoke is wholesome, useful, good, not harsh, hard, sharp, or pressing, but comfortable, gracious, and pleasant. And my burden is light and easy to be borne. All right. So, 
I want to take you to Isaiah chapter 9. So I'm saying a little bit more on this than I said in Katu. And then last night, Lenai and I had a little discussion and she, she shared something with me. So says Isaiah 9 verse 6 for us for to us a child is born a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called wonderful counselor mighty God everlasting father prince of peace and of the increase of his government and of peace there shall be no end okay and upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness okay so Jesus uh, he's the child that was born, the son that was given. So the son reveals the father, and the father reveals the son. The father knows the son, the son knows the father. Now he says, the government shall be upon his shoulder. So what do you think rests on, some, on, on a shoulder? <laughs> he's a yoke. <laughs> a yoke rests on your shoulder. Okay, so the the uh, and this is what I shared in Katu. The yoke that's resting on on your shoulder is it's like the the task that you carry. It's like the the calling of your life. Okay, thanks. So it's uh, it's the calling on your life. It's the task. It's like the vision for your life. It's what God has told you to do. Now some people take upon themselves the yoke of the law. It's not an easy yoke. It's an impossible yoke. And the thing you want to, you know, the burden you want to carry with that yoke is too heavy. No one can do it. All right? So uh, he said uh, in Deuteronomy uh, 13, he says, uh, this, is, this commandment that I give you today is not too hard for you. Okay, and then he quotes it in Romans chapter 10. He said, the word of righteousness, the word of faith, which we preach. He says, do not say in your heart, who shall ascend to heaven? That is to bring Christ down. Who shall descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ from the dead. But what does it say? The word of faith is in your heart, on your lips, the word that we preach. Okay, so if we take the word of God on our lips and say what Jesus says, that's the yoke Jesus had. He was saying what the Father said. If we see him and we just do what we see, if anyone steadfastly believes in me, he will do the works that I do and even greater works than these because I go to my Father. He's now with the Father. He's revealing the Father to us. So what do we see? The works of the Father when we look at Jesus. Okay, so what do we do? We believe in Jesus, so we see the works of the Father. So we do the works of the Father. That's the yoke. So the yoke is works, and the yokes, the yokes, egg yokes. The yoke is words. All right? So the yoke is the kingdom. Okay? And the kingdom of God is uh, it's not in talk, but in power. The kingdom of God is not in observation, but the kingdom of God will be inside you. Okay, so unto us a child is born, a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulders. So it's a yoke, but it's a yoke of authority. 
Okay. So the centurion said to Jesus, don't come to my house. I'm not worthy that you come under my roof. But speak a word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I too am a man under authority. And I say to someone, do this, he does it. Say to my servant, do that, and he does it. Speak a word only, my servant shall be. So that's faith. Faith is to speak. Faith is to do. So the yoke that Jesus is, uh, says, give us, gives us, is a yoke of faith in him. It's a yoke of authority to do what he called us to do. So he gives us this yoke, and this yoke is comfortable. This yoke builds you up. This yoke is soft. And the burden that it gives us to carry is a robe of righteousness. The burden that it gives us to carry. You know, a king carries a burden of authority. You know, that crown is heavy. It's like gold, man. It's like, okay, it's like there's a crown on his, there's authority. So there's authority on the shoulders. So he's the head and we are the body. Okay, so his authority rests on us. Come to me and I will give you rest. Okay, so if we look at the word rest, immediately Hebrews 4 comes to mind. Okay, and this is also around about, we'll, we'll put on, I'll ask Niku nicely, and he will, <laughs> he will put the audio messages that I recorded on my phone in Katu with a little thingy on YouTube, and you can watch it on YouTube. Okay, it's in Afrikaans, sorry for the English people. So, <laughs> all right, so, so the yoke, oh, Hebrews chapter 4, just listen to this. The rest. He says, come unto me, you who are burdened and heavy laden. So they are burdened and heavy laden. Jesus spoke to the Pharisees and he says, you don't lift a finger to help these people move the burden. You place a burden on them that you, you yourselves don't even keep. Okay? You make it difficult and impossible for them, but you yourselves can't even do it. Okay? So that's the hypocrisy of the law. Is people place burdens on you. And they make it seem like they can do it. But we know that no one is justified <laughs> by dependence on the law. All right, so the law is not a heavy burden. The law is impossible. The law crushes you. And Jesus was crushed. He, was, he took that burden upon himself. Okay? He was wounded for our transgressions. He took our burden. He took our yoke and he carried it. He took our cross and he carried it. Now he gives us his burden, his cross, and he gives it. He fulfilled it. So we, we pick up the cross. We take our burden. What is our burden? What is our cross? I've been crucified with Christ. This is my cross. It's not I that live, Christ lives. That's baptism. Okay? That's the cross I pick up to carry. The burden that I carry, I come to him. I give him all my burdens. First Peter 5, verse 6, that says, uh, you know, cast your cares on Jesus. For he cares for you and watches over you carefully. Okay, all your anxieties, all your cares, all your troubles. Okay, cast it on him. Okay, and he says, uh, he resists the proud and he gives grace to the humble. Say, so learn from me, Matthew 11, I'm meek and gentle of heart. I'm lowly of heart. I'm humble. So he says in James 4, 6, much the same type of thing. He says he gives more and more grace. Grace. So the burden is grace. 
He gives more and more grace, power of the Holy Spirit to meet this evil tendency in all of us fully. That is why he, said he says he sets himself against the proud. What's the pride? I do it myself. That's, I try to be righteous by the law. So legalism is absolute pride. And so, so he says, sets himself against the pride, and gives grace to the humble. Then he says in brackets, the amplify. That's James 4 verse 6. To those who are humble enough to receive it. So you receive the burden. Learn from me. I am meek and gentle of heart. I'm lowly of heart. I'm humble of heart. Okay. So if you are prepared to humble yourself and take upon yourself Jesus' life and surrender your life, your burden will be light. If you will lay down the natural life, your burden, and take on his supernatural life, his burden, your yoke will be soft, your burden will be light. Okay? You will walk in his authority, his words, his power, his authority, his miracles. Okay? So now your aim is to show him and not to show yourself. That's the yoke. That's the burden. Okay? So you come to him... He gives you grace. And we know Romans 5.17 says, Those who receive the abundance of grace, overflowing abundance of grace, the free gift of righteousness will reign as kings in life. Until as a child is born, a son is given. Government shall be upon his shoulder. So he gives us his authority to reign in life. Okay? He shall be called Prince of Peace, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. And of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Okay, so the kingdom of God, of the increase of his government, kingdom is righteousness, peace, joy. Of the increase of it, there will be no end. That's kind of cool. So it's not just of his government there's no end. It's of the increase of his government there's no end. Imagine in 50 billion years how awesome that kingdom will, will look. Okay, but by then, you know, it's like there's no time. So... <laughs> then it's like useless to measure. Okay, let's just get to Hebrews chapter 4. He says, "Learn, all you are burdened and heavy laden with the law, all you are burdened and heavy laden with all your own troubles in your natural life, come unto me, I will give you rest. I will give you uh, uh, like refreshment for your souls. Okay, so now he says, uh, in Hebrews chapter 4, the whole thing is about entering the rest. So he gives a warning. He says, Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still holds and is offered to us today, let us be afraid to distrust it, lest anyone should think he has come too late and has come short of reaching it. For indeed we have had the glad tidings the gospel of God proclaimed to us tr just as truly as they, the Israelites of old, did when the good news of deliverance from bondage came to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them because it was not mixed with faith. So, if we don't believe the message, if we don't believe and come to him, we will always have the burden and we will never enter the rest. Okay. So he says, um, by those who heard it. Okay. So you have to, the, the expression to mix it with faith, what you hear, is just to believe what, you, what is being preached. It's simple. Don't overthink it. Okay. Neither were they united in faith with the ones Joshua and Caleb who heard and did believe so who entered joshua and caleb who didn't enter the rest <laughs> not the rest the rest of them 
<laughs> okay. Right, so verse, verse 3. For we who have believed adhere to trust Israel, do enter that rest. Okay, so how do you come to Jesus? Come on, he just said, come unto me who you are burdened and heavy laden. Okay, so how, what does he say? Come to me and I will give you rest. He says here, they, we who have believed do enter the rest. So by faith, how do you come to Jesus? You believe in him. Okay, you surrender your life. You come to him, you lay down your natural life. You lay down all your efforts. You lay down all the attempts to try and change yourself. You lay it down. And then you receive his life. And then immediately he is alive in you. Immediately, he's alive through you. Immediately, you speak with, with his authority. I mean, how incredible is it that you see someone, the one moment they're, they're on drugs, and the next moment they get born again, they pull someone out of a wheelchair. So they're under a burden. They come to Jesus. He gives them rest. Bam, there's a miracle. Okay. And what I'm, I just thought of it, the testimony of Prophet Kurbis. He was on all kinds of stuff. God delivered him. He did, three days after he got born again, he pulled someone out of a wheelchair. Okay? So, simple faith removes the yoke of the natural. That's too hard to bear. And it gives you a yoke of authority, of power, of the kingdom, of light, of life. All right? we who have believed do enter the rest in accordance with the declaration that those who did not believe should not enter when he said I swore in my wrath I shall not enter my rest. So you will never achieve it. You will never get there by trying. You will never get to a point where you change yourself. Sorry. You can't fix Adam. Let him go. Okay. So as I swore in my wrath, I shall not enter my rest. And this is said, although his works had been completed and prepared and waiting for all who would believe from the foundation of the world. Right. Maybe I should do a sermon on foundation of the world sometime soon. Okay. Right. So, for in a certain place, he said about the seventh day, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. So now we start looking at God resting, okay? They forfeited their part in it. In the passage, he said, they shall not enter my rest. So God finished his work and he rested, okay? So now we can enter the rest when we trust in what he did. Okay. So Jesus did everything for us. We enter the rest that the cross produced, when we trust in what he did. When we believe what he did. That is taking on his yoke. Believe in the cross. So your yoke is removed. The anointing breaks the yoke. Removes the burden. Okay, so what comes to you when you believe the gospel? The anointing. The Holy Ghost. The anointing breaks the yoke. Removes the burden. Sorry, I'm jumping around a little bit today. Okay. 
So God rested from his works. So Jesus has entered his rest. He's sitting on the throne, waiting for his enemies to make his stool beneath his feet. He's worked, he's moved, he's done it. He's not going to do anything more. Everyone is waiting for God to move. God is waiting for us to move. For us to enter the rest so, so that we can reign. Those who receive the abundance of grace and free gifts of righteousness will reign. Okay. And they forfeited their part in it. In the passage he said, they shall not enter my rest. Seeing then that the promise remains over from past times for some to enter that rest. And that those who formerly were given the good news about it and the opportunity failed to appropriate and did not enter because of disobedience or disbelief. Okay? Again, he sets a definite day anew today and gives another opportunity of securing that rest. Okay, so the first rest wasn't really it. It was just a parable. But the second one is you enter the rest. This is what God meant when he instituted the Sabbath. The Sabbath isn't you're not supposed to work on a Sunday. Well, the Seventh-day Adventists and the Jews are right. The Sabbath is actually on a Saturday from from sunset on a Friday, I think. Okay? So, yeah, you can wash your car on a Sunday. It's okay. But just come to church. You can play tennis. You can do anything you like. You can go to work. You can do whatever. You just come to church. Why do we have church on Sunday? Because all the other days people are busy. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> Okay, we can have church every day, but then anyone won't be, you know, everyone can't sit in church all day, right? So, again, he sets a definite day, a new today, and gives another opportunity of securing that rest. Saying through David, after so long a time, and the words already quoted, today, if you would hear his voice, and when you hear it, do not harden your hearts. Okay, so his voice is speaking. When you hear his voice, don't fight him. Don't be proud. So be humble enough to receive what he says. So his voice is inviting you. Oh, you who are burdened and heavy laden, won't you just come? Won't you just come unto me? I want to give you some rest. Okay? But then you have to lay down your own little empire. You have to lay down self-righteousness and self-accusation and condemnation. Lay it down. What do you come to, to get? You receive rest. Okay, you come to him, you receive rest. This mention of a rest was not a reference to their entering into Canaan, for if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have afterward spoken about another day. So then they're still awaiting a full and complete Sabbath rest reserved for the true people of God. So this Sabbath rest has nothing to do with Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, whatever. It doesn't have anything to do with it. The Sabbath rest means you cease from your own labor. You lay down your natural burden, your natural life. If you try to save your natural life, you will lose, lose the spiritual life. If you, if you lose your natural life for his sake, you will gain the spiritual life. Okay? So that's entering the rest. I've been crucified with Christ. No longer I that live. Christ lives within me. So you rest and he works inside you. So that's the whole revelation of, of the Sabbath, is Jesus doing miracles in you through you. So you rest and the more you rest, the greater the miracles. And that's why Jesus always went and looked for sick people on the Sabbath. It's like, what day is it? Sabbath. Okay, where's the Pharisees? There's some Pharisees. Okay, is there a sick person? Let's go see a sick person. Okay, go seeking out a sick person just to irritate the Pharisees. And then he's in trouble again. 
So they confronted Jesus and they said to Jesus, listen, you can't do this on the Sabbath. He says, my father is at work and so I too must be at work. And he said that in the context of Sabbath. So what's the work? The works that of rest that was prepared before the foundation of the world. Not the works trying to enter the rest. The works flowing out of rest. Not the works of the law that tries to justify you. But the works of faith flowing out of being sanctified, justified. Flowing out of fellowship with him. Flowing out of communion with the Holy Ghost. But there's going to be works. Is the works faith works or is the work works of the law? Works of the law? Man, that's a heavy burden. So come unto me. I will give you rest so that you can do the works of Christ. If anyone believes in me, he will do the works that I do and even greater than these because I go to my Father. So you lay down your efforts and you pick up his efforts. His efforts is a bit stronger than yours. You lay down your useless attempt and you pick up his perfect, completed work. The works that was finished before the foundation of the world. All right. For he who has once entered God's rest who has also has ceased from the weariness and pain of human labors, just as God rested from those labors peculiarly his own. Do you see that? So you stop, you stop working on yourself and you rest in him. Come unto me. Take my yoke. My yoke is peace. My yoke is power. My yoke is joy. My yoke is the kingdom. My yoke is authority. My yoke is you speak my word and not yours. And you see immediate results. Okay? I too am a man under authority and I say. Right? Let us therefore be zealous and exert ourselves and strive diligently to enter that rest of God. To know and experience it for ourselves. That no one may fall or perish by the same kind of unbelief. So unbelief, yesterday's message. Was it yesterday? Yesterday's message. Unbelief causes you to perish. All right? And disobedience into which those in the wilderness fell. For the word that God speaks is alive, full of power, making it active, operative, energizing, effective, sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating to the dividing line of the breath of life, the soul, and the immortal spirit, of the joints and marrow and the deepest parts of our nature, exposing and sifting and analyzing and judging the very thoughts and purposes of the heart. So the word that God speaks is alive. It's alive. <laughs> I was sitting on a train in London, and I was dirty, because I, the whole day I worked delivering cars, rental cars, for, you know, Avis and Eurocar and those guys. I was sitting on, you know, in my work clothes, blue, blue collar, <laughs> sitting on the central line in London, going out to Loughton. So I'm sitting there and I fell asleep on the train. And then I woke up, but I didn't open my eyes. And there was these two Dutch girls. And they were fascinated with me. And they, <laughs> they spoke in Dutch, and I, obviously I understood every word they said. So, uh, so every now and then I would just move a little bit. They would say, it's alive. <laughs> <laughs> so when, when they got to the station, I just said, come to you out Amsterdam. <laughs> so they, they were shocked. They just jumped off the train. I laughed so hard. Okay, but I mean, I don't care. They didn't say anything bad. 
But be careful on the underground. Someone can understand you, especially South Africans. There's many people understanding Afrikaans there. Okay, so. <laughs> it's alive. Okay, so the word is alive. Active, energizing, operative. So when you hear his words, do not harden your hearts. Do you want life in your heart? Let that sword come. The live word. Pierce, let it enter into your heart. That is entering the rest. His word, cutting through all the nonsense, right into the middle of your heart. Verse 13, and not a creature exists that is concealed from his sight. So you're not going to hide anything from him. <laughs> he knows. But it, you need to open up your heart so that the light can come in and change whatever needs to be changed. Okay? There's, there's a series of messages that I preached. When was that? September, October 2018 or 19? This was about a year ago. 20. 2019, I think. You can, you can check it up on the channel. It was about coming out into the light and so on. So to watch those messages. It's really going to bless you. Okay. Not a creature exists that is concealed from his sight, but all things are open and exposed, naked and defenseless to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Inasmuch then as we have a great high priest who has already ascended and passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession of faith in him. Now he says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to understand and sympathize and have a shared feeling with our weaknesses, infirmities, and liability to the assaults of temptation. But one who has been tempted in every respect as we are, yet without sinning. So he knows what you're going through. He knows the burden because he carried it for you. So now he says, verse 16, Let us then fearlessly, confidently, boldly, Draw near to the throne of grace. So that's where Jesus is resting, on the throne. The throne of God's unmerited favor to us sins, that we may receive mercy for our failures and find grace, help in good time for every need, appropriate and well-timed help coming just when we need it. Okay, I see our time is up, so I need to finish. All right, so when, you, when you're done working, you go sit down. Okay, so he says, come unto me. He's already done and he's sitting. Now he says, come. Are you in Christ? Is Christ in you? Okay, so you're in Christ. The moment you got born again, you are where he is. And he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. I'm in him, he's in me. But now, in my awareness, I come to him. So I seek him out. Draw near unto God and he will draw near to you. Speaking of manifestation. So you come to him. You seek him out. You lay down your burdens. You leave. You surrender your natural life. And you come and you sit in Christ at the right hand of the Father. So you come to the throne of grace. Not to grovel. Not to beg. But to sit down. Enter the rest. Come unto me. He didn't say, come unto my feet. He says, come unto me. So, um, I'm not dismissing all the sermons that you heard on sitting at the feet of Jesus. That's not what I'm saying. Okay. But come unto me. He didn't say, go beg. I'm speaking of posture. 
didn't say go beg and maybe I'll give you grace. He said come to me. So in Christ, seated with Christ in heavenly places at the right hand of the Father, a place of authority. So you rest and that's your burden. My burden is soft. My, my burden is light. My yoke is soft. So his burden is speaking his words and doing his works. That's the burden of Christ. It will give you rest as you go along. So the more you minister life to people, the more you rest. The more you rest, the greater the power. So the more you try, the less the power. Because then you're picking up your own burden again. Alright, so may you just walk in power. May you rest in His sufficiency, His ability, His power. The Word of God has power within itself to fulfill itself. Alright, so be blessed. Thank you for watching. I can't see you now, but I'm sure everyone who is regulars are watching. <laughs> so bless you. So um, I'll see you again tomorrow morning. I hope you have an awesome day. Amen.